Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. It depends on what I'm trying to do. If I want a page that is pretty simple or I'm working with a template that already has shadows built in, I go right into the Photoshop iPad app. If I want something that I want to be able to do more tweaking with filters and shadows and other effects, I go into the Affinity app. Or third option, if I want to just do a Project Life page or any other grid style page, I will go into the Project Life app. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 79. In this episode, creative team member Brian Randon joins me to chat about the experience of creating digitally on an iPad versus a laptop or desktop computer. When it comes to choosing an approach for digital, there's much to consider and we break it down for you. Hey, Brie, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Jennifer. Nice to see you again. Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation today. Can you remind our audience a little bit about you? Um, my name is Brie. I am part of the Simple Scrapper creative team, for those of you who are already in our community. Um, I am an executive assistant that is originally from the Buffalo area, but now I live in D.C. with my boyfriend of 15 years, our dog Matilda, and my five-year-old Abby. Um, and I am a digital scrapbooker. I started off originally as hybrid in 1998 before I knew what that was or, you know, with, with 1990s clip art CDs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember it was my first, it was a Mickey Mouse clip art CD, and that's how I decided to go into scrapbooking. And those are some interesting pages. Um, and then... I gradually got more into paper scrapbooking until I became a sales rep for a bunch of companies in the early aughts when we were kind of in our heyday. And that, you know, kind of gradually morphed into me being more overwhelmed with paper and samples and more than I knew what to do with in my 300 square foot apartment in New Jersey. Um, and I decided to try digital and I haven't looked back since. And that uh -huh. was in 2005. <laughs> so did, how long does it take for you to get rid of your paper stash? Or do you still have it? it? No, it took me three years. I remember I started in 2005. I, I saw Photoshop for the first time. And I moved that giant, and we're talking an enormous paper stash because um, I got samples from every company that I represented each quarter for like CHA. Mm -hmm. And um it literally filled my house from floor to ceiling because I couldn't get rid of the things. <laughs> so um, I eventually left that job um, because I was sort of tired of traveling. By 2008, um, I was just a little burnt out with the whole going to every trade show thing. And um, I moved again for the third time with this giant U-Haul. I'm not even joking, U-Haul full of paper. 
And I moved it into our townhouse in Baltimore when I moved in with my boyfriend. And um, he was kind of like, we're paying rent for all of this. <laughs> and he had a valid point. And I eventually called up one of my old scrapbooking groups. And I said, 200 bucks to everyone. Whoever wants to drive down to Baltimore and get it can come get it. And I used the 200 bucks to buy a large format printer. Well, the balance of what I needed to buy a large format printer mm-hmm. so I could do digital. And I got rid of the whole thing. And that lady came down with a giant van and got everything. Wow. It was hilarious. Yeah, well, it, it felt great. It's been so fascinating to talk to you over the past few years to hear about, you know, you had this insider's perspective to the industry and you've seen how things have evolved over time and and the I don't know, kind of consolidation of brands. And it's just, it's always so... It's always so fascinating as a scrapbooker to have this hobby that I love so much and and kind of wonder where it's going, I guess. I know. And it'll be really interesting to see how it does turn out, right? Because, you know, we had the Project Life heyday for such a long time, and that seems to be changing a little bit. And now there's like the the, um, Traveler's Notebooks. And, and, you know, the cool part is that scrapbooking's always been changing for the last, what, hundred and something years, actually Mm -hmm. longer. But I mean, it's, it's really over the last decade, you know, technology, technology has kind of changed everything, how we interact and talk about scrapbooking has changed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where we go. I mean, it, sometimes it can feel a little gloom and doom, I think, depending on whose perspective you're, you're, you know, taking. Um, but in other ways, it's, it's really interesting to see how quickly it can move and change. Well, and I think we, uh, will never stop wanting to create with our hands. Mm-hmm. Um, we will also, never stop wanting to figure out how to use our devices more efficiently so they add to our life and not detract from them. And so I think that's just, I think, why Scrapbook Your Way and and both the podcast and this whole concept exists because we're always going to have this ever-changing buffet of options that we get to choose from. And it's it's Mm going to evolve over time what that looks like. And we just have to experiment, jump in, and then figure out what do I want to do right now, have fun with it, and then maybe the decision will be different later on. That's very true. You can always change your mind, right? <laughs> that is our prerogative for sure. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so what is oh, one thing good. in memory keeping that is exciting you right now? So I'm going to I'm gonna pull a mulligan and say I have two things. So okay. one is something that you shared inside of the community a couple of weeks ago, and that was the Rocket Book Panda Planner. Mm. So um, you posted about that and it got kind of like some hit or miss comments. I think it's one of those things that people, unless they have really played with rocket books, it seems a little just kind of like vague and esoteric as far as planners are concerned. But the idea is um, it rocket books. I was actually one of their first Kickstarter backers back years ago for their normal rocket books. Um, and they're a reusable notebook. So um they have a a limited amount of pages. Usually they're like 35 pages in the notebook and you use pilot friction pens, which are erasable and also can be, um, depending on the notebook microwaved off because they're heat sensitive. So you can, you know, wipe them off with a wet cloth or you can erase them with a friction eraser. Um, but that kind of speaks to my, you know, environmental sensibilities. I really don't like just using a bunch of, um, you know, post-it notes and stuff over and over again, because, you know, I like to brainstorm and I scribble. I have terrible handwriting. <laughs> um, and so I have to rewrite my notes. And I, um, so I really like the idea of rocket books. And I also love the idea of planners. But again, you know, it's one of those things that when I change my mind, I'm stuck with this giant. And you know how, it, oh, as yeah. in your 
I've had some changing of minds over the years. <laughs> over the planners, then you're left with all these giant stacks of paper and you're not really sure what you want to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks, uh, I like the idea of Panda Planner, um, but you know, I'm, I'm mostly a digital girl. Um, and Rocketbook, the idea is that they, aside from being reusable, they have an app and you can digitize all of your notes. Um, and it also can um, make your notes searchable. So when you scan it with the app, it goes automatically to one of, I believe, seven different locations that you can preset. Um, so like Google Drive, Dropbox, um, all these other places. And so this essentially gave me kind of a hybrid approach to both digital and paper planning and made it reusable. And I have been having a good time with that, as well as there's a little square box each day, which I'm really excited about for scrapbooking, because while I'm on my a millionth Zoom call for the day, I can now sketchbook or sketch out like layout designs. <laughs> so I do that while I'm working. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that's been kind of fun. So that was one thing that's sort of scrapbooking related, but it, you know, kind of works with all the planning as well and our planner people. Um, but on the scrapbooking front, this is so old school, but I finally went and purchased after like a decade, I purchased like 15 or 16 doodlebug albums and I have started putting away all of my stacks of layouts that have been just sitting around and replacing all of all of those um, pre-mentioned samples. Remember I told you I used Mm -hmm. to get samples every year. Um, Well, I had all these albums that were like I had and they're right in the middle of my living room. So like all these like Hawaiian print hot pink albums and like, um, you know, travel themed albums. And they were all sitting on my shelves and it it just drives me crazy because my living room is very black and gray and modern and I have all these things. So I, um, I spent a whole bunch of money and I finally just replaced all of my albums and all of my pages that have been sitting in stacks are now in and now available for family consumption, which is amazing. That is terrific. I mean, I imagine it's such a great feeling as well to just finally have that taken care of. Yeah. And it was on two fronts, right? So first of all, is the fact that like my family could see them, um, you know, these layouts are from right when I met my partner, um, my my boyfriend. And so my daughter has no idea about any of these stories, like, Mm -hmm. because that was obviously before she was born. Um, and so she's flipping through, she's like, daddy had hair. (laughs) (laughs) Like it didn't even occur to her that daddy could have ever had hair. And, um, and also on the flip side, I have got to tell you, I felt really good because I am still sitting here going like, Oh God, I have lay a couple layouts left from 2005. I haven't finished and 2006. And, and I looked and I'm like, I have scrapbooked like seven albums from 2006. Like I had no idea. I had no idea what I had finished. And well, so I think yeah, it's, it becomes really, really important to look back with both like how much of a, a given year's stories you have documented where you feel like the gaps are. And I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. we, we do like, you know, in that 2008 to 2011 timeframe, when I was doing all digital, I was extraordinarily prolific. Some of the stories mm-hmm. aren't the deepest of stories, but there's a lo- almost all, not all, but like the majority of my photos from that time period were scrapbooked. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah I love and that back. was kind of shocking to me. Like I just didn't think that I had been that prolific. And now I'm almost looking back. I'm like, maybe I was a little too prolific. Yeah. That's a lot for one year. Apparently mm-hmm. it was a big year anyway. Um, but those are two very exciting things for me. I was very, very happy to find those. Oh gosh. You're making me rethink again about getting the Panda Planner rocket book. <laughs> I love it. I was so surprised. And if you want to do offline, you want to like kind of go through and you can see mine. I'm into it. Okay. Like, do you do you have any problems with the erasing? Do you put it in the microwave? Mm-hmm. Do you use the eraser? 
You know, no, because um, the one that is for the microwave, I believe, is the uh, or it's called the um, Rocketbook Wave. That was the only one that it, that was the first one that they developed, okay. and um, that was that was very much a paper planner mm-hmm. or a paper notebook. The ones that they came out later, um, the latest iterations have um, they are papery, um, but they're also a paper slash um, I want to say like a polyester blend, mm-hmm. and so you. Clearly don't want to microwave polyester. Um, so they actually come with a little like cloth that you can dampen and wipe it off. Um, and also I use the erasers whenever I want to do something really small. Um, they do recommend not letting your writing sit there for more than a month okay. because at that point you will start to get shadows. I've done sure. that. Like it'll still erase, but like, you know, if, you, if you're somebody who's really know, type A, um, I don't want to see shadows of the writing that I wrote before. So I do try to make sure I go back and not forget to, to wipe it off after a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm super fascinated because I'm the idea of taking some of my like random idea scribbles and sending those to Trello, uh, really mm-hmm. excites me because I'm constantly like retyping my notes into Trello from, from whenever. And it's, it's not sort of something where I really need the words exactly as they are. I just need to capture that idea somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and there's a couple cool things about that. So first of all, you can send things as images and you can also send them as PDFs. Mm. So that depends on how you have it set up in the app. So you can actually send more than one image or more than one page PDF to something. Um, secondly, it's great because like when I'm emailing something to myself, I've used them for work all the time. And so I'll be on a phone conversation. I'll write out my notes. It'll also transcribe your handwriting in your email like it'll attach your pdf of your notes so you can search it yeah but like you can so you can search your pdf but it also in the email writes out what your notes are in a typewritten format so for people who can't read my handwriting it's it's kind of nice that i can just send this along and be like here here are our minutes or or whatever however you want to use it so it's it's a pretty um I think it's a pretty robust system. It's pretty, and I have to say they're always changing too, which I really like. Like um, they're always kind of evolving, which is great because, you know, there's nothing more exciting to me than when I get an app update, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I'm like, what's that? What did you do? What did you get me? It's like a free present. I don't know. Um, well, and you really want to be like, I, I value businesses that are constantly evolving with the times to evolve with their customers, changing needs. It's a personal value that I have for Simple Scrapper. You know, that's why every November we announce, okay, here's what we're doing next year because it's always going to change just a little bit based on what the mm-hmm. community is interested in. And I definitely appreciate that in, you know, the products and the services that I use as well. Yeah. And yeah, Simple Scrapper definitely does that. I, I've been really excited to see how, you know, each year that I haven't been here for many years, but it's been, I think, two now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've definitely changed um, the offerings each year. So it's not something that just gets stagnant. Well, and it keeps it fun for me, keeps it fun for the team and just, you know, new and fresh for everyone. So that's, yeah. that's I love that process. That's my favorite part of the business is figuring out what we're going to do next. So, <laughs> so it's always something. What is one story on your memory keeping bucket list? So we always ask our guests this because we have this free downloadable worksheet. You can get that at simplescrapper.com slash download where you can capture 12 stories that really matter to you that you want to make sure that you document before you quote unquote kick the bucket. So Brie, what's on your list? 
Well, my list, because of the bucket list project, has grown exponentially this year. Um, you know, those lists, uh, those stories kind of lead into another. Um, but one that I haven't gotten to yet that I want to is the story of this ratty sweatshirt that I have. So um, I had a very strange relationship with my father um, growing up. He was not there um, and I didn't didn't really unfortunately get to know him very well before his death. Um, and in, sorry, um, in high school, my junior year, um, my father went back to college. Uh, he got sober ish, I believe. And he went back to college and he ended up getting his master's degree, um, from MIU. And, um, but in the meantime, he went to Buff State for his first social work degree. And, um, I remember my junior year just getting a random sweatshirt in the mail and it was around my birthday. It was after my birthday. So, you know, it, it was, wasn't on time. And, um, and so I got this Buff State sweatshirt with just a little post-it note from my dad, you know, saying, you know, happy birthday. And I just was so angry. I was so angry. And I, I felt hurt that, like, he couldn't be bothered to get, you know, in the way that all, like, 16-year-olds are, like, self-centered in a certain way. You know what I mean? You think about you. And I was like, you know, he couldn't even be bothered to get off campus, like, to just mm-hmm. get me something from, like, a bookstore or something. He just went and grabbed whatever he could get with, like, his you know, stipend or whatever, and just sent this to me late. And I threw it in my closet. I was so angry. And, um, and the funny part was, is that's where I ended up going to school. And, um, that's where I graduated from after Mm -hmm. I went to someplace else and I got a full scholarship someplace else. I ended up coming back home, um, because of some, you know, just, I was lonely and some other things, you know, so I ended up coming back home and graduating from that school. And so I wore that sweatshirt constantly and, you know, I wore it like even when I moved away and then when my father died, I still wore it. And it was just kind of like one of those gifts that like, I didn't realize at the time, um, it probably took a lot for him. Like he probably didn't have any other money and that stipend was his money and he was thinking of me and, you know, some other things, some other things that kind of had to get unpacked with that. But it was just, it's one of those kind of ridiculous stories. I still have this ratty, terrible sweatshirt from my college alma mater. And like, people probably think that I bought it, but yeah, I didn't. And it came several years too early, <laughs> but it, it ended up being what I needed. Well, what a, what an amazing story and just how the story itself evolved over time that starting from that point of anger to the point of where mm-hmm. you can celebrate the meaning behind it and the connection you know uh mm-hmm. regardless of how fraught that it gave you to your father exactly and it's like i want to want to make sure that i get that down because it's something that you know my viewpoint really did change over time mm-hmm. like you know when you as you grow you start to realize that things aren't always what you think they are oh, for know? sure yeah <laughs> and even you know i remember you know, being in, you know, the early twenties and thinking, you know, you're so adult and you have it all figured out, but no, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> exactly. You have no idea. And so when I got that, I, of course, thought I was, you know, of course, and I did have valid reasons to be angry. It wasn't like, I'm not, I don't look mm-hmm. back on shame with that anger, oh, sure. but I look back at it a different, you know, as an adult with your own kid and your own struggles and, you kind of go, wow, life is a lot different on the other side of that. You know, like we're not perfect and people can be two things at once. You know, you can be not so great at parenting maybe, 
and have your own struggles and still not be like a bad person, you know? So that's something, it's kind of a reminder. It's weird when I put that on. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see you document that story. Thanks. So the topic of today's discussion is we're kind of going to compare the experiences of digital scrapbooking in terms of creating digital layouts, regardless of kind of what size, and then using the Project Life app. And maybe we'll talk about other apps too, but mostly the Project Life app to create pages. And and how do those experiences differ um, in terms of the results, the experience, where you do them? This all kind of came out of a casual conversation that we were having, um, helping a member figure out, is she going to use her new laptop to dive more into digital scrapbooking, or does she want to purchase an iPad in order to do more app scrapbooking. So how do you think in in all of your experience, how does digital scrapbooking help you simplify projects? You already talked a little bit about the space considerations of all of that, (laughs) but you know, how, how has it helped you over the years make things easier? Um, I think that it has helped me keep scrapbooking. Um, and I, I will be the first one to say I am that I love being a digital messiah. I love telling everybody about doing digital pages because I know that in our community, digital can sometimes get a little bit of pushback because and not from a bad place, but people are like, I'm on my computer all day. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this doesn't feel as creative to me. I don't know why you'd want to, you know, not touch paper, you know, and, and these are all really valid concerns and things to think about depending on your situation. Um, but there's other considerations that can make digital a really good option for some people, even with those considerations, even if you think, Oh, I always just love touching paper and I don't, I could never get away with it or get away from it. Um, so digital for me is kind of scrapbooking of freedom. Um, I still have the freedom if I want to, to go back and do paper, right? I mean, I can do that whenever I want. I could make a hybrid page if I want. um, And I have all of these digital supplies that I could very easily pick, you know, print out and make a paper page with. So I always have that access. But um, uh, for me, digital is, is, like I said, more about freedom. I have the freedom to create anywhere that I want. I can go to, like when we went to our um, Simple Scrapper um, live retreat, I came with a backpack like one backpack for all of my clothes. You're pretty minimal there. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, and people are like, where's your stuff? I'm like, this is my stuff. I just traveled across the country and I'm good. Like I've been gone for four days, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and they're like, what do you got? And I'm like, that's, I just have my iPad and I'm fine. Um, and so for me, um, I use a lot of different softwares and things, but simple, simply put, all of my photos are always accessible. All of my you know, different supplies are always accessible. All my apps are always accessible. Um, and I can make stuff no matter where I am and on whatever terms that I want versus, you know, if you want to make a paper page and you're in Disney world, well, you're kind of, unless you really thought ahead in, in a little bit of a pickle. Um, I was able to do my first load challenge, um, layout of the day or layout a day challenge while on vacation in Disney world this, this past February before everything shut down. And I was still able to do a full page every single day and, you know, get all of those things done without having any other supplies with me other than my iPad. To me, that's impressive. 
So, well, um, and I think that you were when you were talking earlier about putting your layouts into albums is that creating a digital page doesn't negate any kind of physical experience. You you can still print your pages out, put them in page protectors, or you can get them bound as books. There's still mm-hmm. you can have a physical product in the end that people can look at. I think that's another yeah. misconception is that digital pages don't go anywhere, and they certainly can't. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I have to say, as far as the physical experience from an end user standpoint, um, so like from my family standpoint, my family are afraid of my paper pages from 1998. Mm-hmm. They will not open them because they're afraid of the buttons falling off or, or whatever. And no matter how much I'm like, guys, I can, I can glue it back on. Um, Jay has never once opened an, an album from before when we were together that isn't digital because he's too afraid he's going to rip something. So there is, first of all, digital pages are one piece of paper. So there's no worrying about all this adhesive or, or my favorite thing that I used to love in the early two thousands was the, the, all those gel stickers, you know, that they leaked everywhere. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> there's no, con- there's no issues with things like, you know, your adhesive falling apart, yeah. your, um, your glitter stickers, flaking glitter everywhere, that kind of thing as far as longevity of your pages. Um, and also I can just reprint anything I want. So before we jump into kind of more about the process you do, I'm curious what size you print Mm -hmm. your pages at. I print mine at 12 by 12. So, um, I did for a long time have my own printer, um, just because there weren't a ton of places that were doing, 12 by 12 prints back in the day. Um, you know, I mean, that was pretty rare. I mean, you could once in a while, I think Costco did them for a little while, then they didn't do them. And now I think they're doing them again. Um, this is back way, you know, like I said, the not, you know, nineties, um, God, I'm so old feeling (laughs) (laughs) way in the nineties. Um, and then, uh, I decided it was just like, 12 by 12 printers are huge, or at least they Mm. were. Yeah. No, they still are. Okay, because the ones that I the one that I originally had literally took up my whole desk. It was enormous, and it was like I want to say something like seventy pounds. It was so heavy, um, and so anytime I wanted to do anything with it, I had to like kind of like drag it around. Um, so, and plus the ink costs on that for me for a while were getting because I'm I'm pretty prolific. Um, it was getting to be very expensive. Um, and so I just, and then it was also kind of during this time that persnickety prints sort of rose up. So I decided to go, kind of came up and I do love that they're, they have photographic prints that are waterproof and things like that. So I decided for $1.99 for a print, I'm going over there. You know, yeah, like, their print so, quality is, is truly amazing. And I've, I've never been great. disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I asked the question about size, just because as you were talking about uh, people looking through albums, I know that for mm-hmm. me personally, that's one of the reasons why I've chosen to do more smaller sizes is because I mm-hmm. feel like that album itself is less intense, regardless of what's in it, that album, the the bulkiness of it is just that much smaller. Even eight and a half by 11 feels more manageable to hold on your lap or to even take off the shelf. Whereas the 12 by 12 albums are just so large. You are so right. And let me tell you this weekend or this week, this weekend was such a validation of that. Um, Maybe because I haven't physically been doing much work with my 12 by 12 pages, you know, for those forever long, like I'm just making them and printing them and throwing them somewhere. Um, my back hurts so bad. 
I'm like crawling on my floor, putting in all these pages. And those albums are like so heavy. I, and it's something that I have struggled with and it's just a mental hang up. I know I need to get over, but I really kind of want to do different sizes. Um, it's just a matter of, I'm concerned about a finding page protectors. That's always seems like such a hard thing. And I've done 12 by 12 for so long that I, I really want to do eight and a half by 11. And I just kind of mentally need to get over the hump. It's just one of those things. Well, <laughs> you can always do an eight and a half by 11 and put it in your 12 by 12 yep. album because the holes are the same on those. Yeah. And and I've been sort of dabbling in that a little bit. Um, I played with it a little bit last refresh, actually, when we had to do a different sizing mm-hmm. and some other stuff. So I'm I'm kind of on the border. I feel like I'm going to end up probably switching up my sizes a little bit. Just the 12 by 12 you know, also designing in a square shape after a while gets a little old, you know, you're, you're, you have much, you have so many more design options from, from a, you know, actual, you know, design standpoint in an L shape than you do in a square. Very so, true. Very been, true. Yeah. Well, it's just fun to just change it. things up um, mm-hmm. over time for just to keep it fresh as we, we talked yeah. about before. So can you tell me more about your creative workflow? You uh, are creating exclusively on an iPad these days. What apps Pretty are you much, using? Yeah. And, you know, how do you, how do you go start to finish? Yeah. And so I will say I am like, I'm like 90% on my iPad. Okay. I still do use my computer. I have a beautiful iMac with a 27 inch screen. That's very pretty. Um, uh, I haven't abandoned her yet. Um, <laughs> uh, but the only time I find myself working on my computer is when I'm down in my office and we're like watching a movie. Cause that's where my big TV is as well. Um, and my family all kind of creates together in this room. So, um, I will, so a lot of times I will start a page while I'm on my computer and then flip it over to my iPad and I'll kind of talk about that process. So, um, Generally speaking, though, if I'm for most of my pages, what I do is I shoot raw on my iPhone. Um, I use for me, I either use the the Lightroom app for that to shoot raw, or I use Moment, um, which is um, for anybody who kind of was into the whole idea of attaching like lenses on your cameras on your on your phones. Um, there's some cheaper options, but Moment is the the company that does actual glass lenses like telephoto lenses and stuff for your phones. Um, so instead of having a DSLR, I shoot in raw on my iPhone. And sometimes I'll use those lenses depending on what kind of things I'm trying to shoot. Um, but that's kind of an, another story. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, could, that could be a whole episode in itself just yes, on the, and it's, the camera it, it's aspects. Super, it's super fun. And that's a whole other story. But it's, it's a fun thing for people who are really getting into the idea of photography and using your phone for that. So, um, so anyway, I shoot in raw. And then I immediately kick it up to, um, Lightroom CC. I use everything in the cloud. Um, so just the Lightroom CC, the, the just cloud version, not the desktop version. I know you are more of a desktop version girl. Um, I am. I still have, use classic. Yeah. Yep. And we've gone back and forth on who has pros and cons with that. Now for, for me though, I love the CC option, the one in the cloud, um, because my photos are available to me no matter where I am all the time. Well, and I wonder um, if the difference is because I'm primarily creating physical pages and I rely on the, the print mode for print. collages. I rely mm-hmm. on even the, sometimes I've used the book mode to, to set up photo books. So mm-hmm. I like. But did you know, though, they have updated that, though? You can use the book mode, book right with Lightroom CC. Oh, yeah, that's like a, uh, is it is it embedded in it or it's like more of like a linkage like Photoshop and Lightroom are linked? 
How- uh, I don't know how I would explain it. I mean, it's, it's, I know it's, it's pretty easy. You just take your, it's not, it's not quite the same as the, the classic. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. It's a little bit different, but at least they're moving towards that functionality. I would say like they're, they're addressing the fact that blurb is in there now and it at least can start working towards that. It's not as good as the, it's not as good of an integration as classic was though. Sure. Well, and I appreciate that they have uh, tried to be very deliberate in let's make sure we're building the right thing. That's future proof. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sometimes it means it's not going to have all the right features. And when it, yeah. when it has all those features, maybe I'll switch right now. It doesn't, it yeah. doesn't meet all my needs, but I'm certainly attracted to having all of my photos in the cloud um, and more, more accessible universally. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that that's something that Adobe does. And we'll talk a little bit more as I move towards Photoshop on the iPad, they do, they are very slow to roll out items, but when they do, they generally seem to work well. It just takes a really long time. <laughs> and, um, there, these softwares that they're making, there's a lot of stuff on the back end in the cloud that they have to work on, but it, it makes rolling out these new features a very long process because they have to work on all of these devices and all, you know, it's just kind of like, sometimes it's exhausting and frustrating. I'm like, can't I just have my thing? I want my thing to work the way I want it to work. And I know you can do it because you did it on the desktop, but it's like, yeah, but maybe on the cloud, it's a little harder to do. And I have to, I have to fight against impatience on that because I just want my iPad to do all of my things. Oh, sure. Um, And I'm looking forward to them uh, kind of, as you know, we always talk about storage being cheap, but as the mm-hmm. way they have their pricing right now for the additional storage is not, it doesn't seem comparable to storage elsewhere. Like it seems mm-hmm. uh, absurdly expensive, at least for me, because I have the Creative Cloud all apps plan and they want me to pay basically additional See, $50 a month. Yeah. And see, for me, on the flip side, because I don't, I think that's where the hiccup is, right? Because they assume that people that are, um, they assume that people that are doing, um, I'm sorry. Uh, like using all their, their full um, suite don't want Yeah, they, if they're using their full suite that they're like full professionals. And yeah. it's like, no, so a lot of hobbyists do stuff like that too. Yeah. Um, but for me, like I, I do the photography-based plan. So it's like I get Photoshop Lightroom and the terabyte of storage for, I think, 20 bucks a month. Yeah. So for me, that's kind of like, oh, that's that's crazy. You know, I mean, I can I can do that anytime. So well, and I figure um, it would be cheaper for me to just basically purchase a separate plan and have one that's like that I use for the business and one that's my personal plan. It'd be cheaper to do that than it would be to add the storage to my existing account. So that that like yeah. lack of uh, consistency is just it's been a little bit of a conundrum for me. I know. It's, yeah, it is very weird sometimes how they do their pricing. I'm not really sure why they go back and forth. It just seems, it seems like Adobe's pricing is not necessarily consistent and like you can get different deals at all these different times. And I'm like, what are we paying guys? Can we just decide? Yeah. I mean, just, this is an example where they should be following Apple's lead and saying, just like, keep everything very simple. <laughs> yeah. Like this is what it is. Instead of like me telling somebody, Oh, you can get it for 1999. And then they're like, well, no, now the current price is $45. And I'm like, Oh, I feel dumb. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's not what I pay. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so I go from my phone and raw to Lightroom CC. And then it depends on what I'm trying to do. If I want a page that is um, pretty simple or I'm working with a template that it already has shadows built in, I go right into the um, Photoshop iPad app. Um, if I want something that I want to be able to do more tweaking um, with filters and um, shadows and other effects, I go into the Affinity app. Um, 
or third option, if I want to just do a project life page or any other grid style page, I will go into the project life app. So that tends to be how I decided to like bucket those three types of projects with those three different apps. Um, and the, the decision between Affinity Photo and, I, and uh, Photoshop right now is just because the Photoshop app for the iPad doesn't handle shadows well. It can't create shadows. Yes, it can't create shadows right now. Um, so the Photoshop app uh, for the iPad that we have been waiting for for years finally came out, I think, about a little over a year ago at this point now. Um, and it seems what they're focusing on on their first rollout was building, like I said, building the back end up as far as the cloud um, capabilities of this, which seemed to have taken them a lot of work. Um, and also working on doing um, things, they're, they're focusing more on photographers for the first kind of rollouts, I think. Um, so that means things like extractions and um, levels and, and some other more photographic based things. And because they want to be able to do, comp I think they're trying to have it so photographers can do composites, mm -hmm. which is where you can, you know, put in a different person into a different scene and, um, or, you know, say you want to have your friend from one photo be in a better group photo with another set of friends like those are kind of composites that they're trying to enable um on well, the and go. i can see that because i mean in if you think of your, your adobe they're like well photoshop is for photo editing but then we have all these digital scrapbookers using it for graphic design instead of mm -hmm. any of our number of other of like five million different apps that are really for graphic design right <laughs> exactly exactly and so like adobe is just kind of like oh i mean i guess it's great that all these scrapbookers use it but like really I mean, it's made for photographers to do photo editing yeah. at its core. It's like that was what it's designed for because they have things like InDesign, and which I think is amazing that you can actually do scrapbooking in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or that, even, that I mean, Illustrator for Photoshop. different things as well. Yeah. And I mean, there's just, they have so many Photoshop different elements. Yeah. You know? So um, from, you know, I can, I can see to them rolling out their first blush is not going to be about people wanting to do stacked 12 by 12 pages. <laughs> so yeah. um, it is as much as I want to have a temper tantrum about that. Um, so there are a lot of really great things that you can do in the Photoshop app on iPad. Um, for me, for people that, and for people that are into say, you know, that it was what was really big a couple years ago was those like kind of fantasy based scrapbook pages um, where you'd have, you know, your, your daughter or son, you know, playing in the woods, like, uh, you know, or, or playing with like a squirrel or whatever, um, extractions are, are really great on the iPad app now. Actually, I prefer them than doing them on the computer now. Um, because you can just do real quick with the Apple pencil, you can just draw around something instead of trying to like use your mouse and all this other stuff. Um, it, can you speak iPad. real quick to that, to yeah. what peripherals you're using with your iPad? Oh, um, I use just a standard keyboard, the, the standard keyboard case with my iPad. I have an iPad Pro, I should say. Um, I have an iPad Pro, um, the 12.9 with a terabyte of storage on my iPad. Um, I, and I know that we're going to talk about this stuff a little bit later, but that is, those are my specs. I have a normal, um, keyboard case. I have not gotten the magic case, that which is so where cool. it, <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> there's so, Oh God, me and tech though. Anyway. Um, I think my boyfriend will freak out if I come up with another random thing I bought for this iPad. Um, 
but yeah, the, the magic case has like a, a mouse built in and it has a little bit more raised laptopy feel. Um, but I also use the magic pencil too, which, um, is, a, is the second generation, um, which goes with the iPad pros now. So that I don't think they can use the first generation anymore. Um, Do you know if and, it, what the major differences are between the first and second generation? Because I noticed that a lot of maybe the lower priced iPads still only use the original. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering I if there's the any additional thing, features that it's make not, it. It's it. not as much features, I think, as, um, as first of all, shape. Um, the iPad pencil, the second generation, has a little flat edge for that it makes it so it doesn't roll as easily mm-hmm. away. Um, also part of that shape, the reason why it has that flat shape is because it, it connects to the side of your pencil or the side of your iPad to charge. Oh, nice. um, very cool. Versus the original one was a terrible design. And I, 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 I can see why it's, it's still very useful. Like the pencil works fine, but in order to charge the original one, there's a cap that comes off the end that has a lightning chart or like port. So what you have to do is put that into the bottom of your iPad to charge it. So you have this pencil that sticks out while you charge it, Okay, which is kind of, I mean, if you're, if you're calm, (laughs) if you don't have like any little kids running around or like pets that jump on your stuff, like it's not so bad, but with my five-year-old and plugging in that pencil to the end of my iPad was asking for a breakage disaster. That's a Um, temptation. They can't resist. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like, what's this thing sticking out of this thing? I'm just going to yank it. And you're like, Oh, (laughs) please don't touch it. Um, so it still works functionally. Like it's still, still the same, I believe still pretty much the same pencil. Um, but it's, it's more about how it's charged, how it's shaped. And I think some of inside some of the, maybe some of the accuracy is a little bit better on the iPad okay, 2 sure. or iPad 2. I'm not super sure about that though because I never used the, the first one. Sure. I was so, just curious. Yeah, no, it's fine. I could go on tangents on this stuff all day. Um, yeah, so then at that point, I scrapbook within whatever app that I'm using um, and then I um, I export my page to um, Apple or to the Apple cloud, iCloud. Um, I keep, you know, I like the fact that on the iPad, they now have the files app. And so you can connect your Dropbox, your box, your Google drive, you know, Apple iCloud. Um, all of those are in the Apple's file app. And so I can export to wherever I'm keeping my pages. I put mine in the Apple cloud because I like the, the, the iCloud because it syncs up to my, um, desktop. So my iMac, I have all of my um, scrapbook pages in the cloud and on my Mac at the same time. So um, and at that point, then I just send it off to the printer or I make a photo book, depending on what I'm trying to make. Sure. Most of my things are most of my things um, basically from July 2008 on are printed books. Um, everything pre July 2008 that's kind of where I just arbitrarily made the cutoff when I was beginning digital. Um, everything before that gets fit into my, um, binders. Well, that makes sense. It's good to have a cutoff. So you have, even if you're scrapbooking an older story, you kind of know where it goes though. I guess maybe let's just say you're talking about a 2009 story. Would you still go back and scrapbook one of those? And where would you put that? I have, um, well, I'm so behind on like what I'm printing as far as books. <laughs> I'll just be honest. I'm um, sure I've really only print, um, books that have been kind of project based. Okay. I haven't been printing and it's, 
And the funny part is, is like most of my stories, I'm pretty close to printing most of those years. I just haven't quite finished them. So like, and that's just one of those things I have to get around to doing. Um, and I, I have enough to do basically January through June and then July through December is how I'm, I do my like yearly books. And I am only missing from some of these years, like maybe like five pages and I just need to do them. But sure, um, sure. most of the things that I've printed as far as books have been like my daughter's baby book, Project 365, Something that's like a little that. more specific, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to your workflow, I'm curious, um, when you were on a previous episode with Patricia, we were talking more about uh, the Project Life app and like using... And, and, and like just different digital apps and kind of going back and forth. Do you ever start kind of a grid based page in the project life app and then bring it into Photoshop or affinity to do more oh, of it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I do that all the time. I, I, I love doing, um, I love doing pages in the app for several reasons, but the base reason is just, it's super easy to start a grid page, grid based page in the app. Like I don't have to go and search out another template that I know I have something close, you know, close for a normal PSD template. Um, I can just, Oh, look, I know I have four photos. I want to use what in, in the project life has four photos. And I mean, the fact in, is in digital kits, when did when did Project Life come out? What was it like? Two thousand what thirteen was it? Yeah, I think somewhere around there. Um, since then, digital kits pretty much all include journaling cards. Um, they they sort of changed how they market everything. So they're also adding in travelers notebook cards now. But all all digital kits pretty much have journaling cards. So I know that whatever kit that I'm working with, for the most part has journaling cards available. So in whatever theme that I'm working with, I'm probably going to have some supplies that work with it with the Project Life app. Um, And then if I want to add dimensional embellishments, it's very easy to export, uh, you know, 12 by 12 layout from the Project Life app into Affinity and then layer on. And so that will essentially be my background paper. That layout would be the background layer. And then I just add my elements on top of it and do my drop shadows. And and then I export and save to my files just like normal. Very cool. So to answer Mm -hmm. your question, the very first, the Project 365 kit that I think was a collaboration with Creating Keepsakes, that came out in 2009. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And then so it kind of evolved from there. Um, But, you know, 2013 definitely was like a huge, like the biggest, the, the heyday. And I know that it's that time frame when I was trying to figure out how how do pocket pages work for me? I wasn't too interested in, in a, like a three six five type format or weekly, but mm-hmm. I like I'm intrigued by these pocket pages and all these products coming out. What 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 do I want to do with that? And then I think that's that's when we all started to evolve using pockets for lots of different types of stories, not just for you know one approach. Yeah. Um, they, it, there's just so many different things that you can do with it. Um, it doesn't have to just be a project life, what you typically think of, you know, your design a, you know, four photos and then four cards and, and, or it, it doesn't have to be like a weekly capture. I do so many of my pages in the project life app now, particularly, um, I've been working with you actually on the finishing project and the project that I'm working on, I decided to do in the project life app, mostly because it was such an enormous project that I knew that it would be very easy for me to do on my iPad or on the, on the phone, on the go. Um, and just to keep it simple and have my supplies be limited. I chose the app to do 
that project. Um, and that has absolutely nothing to do with a weekly recap or a monthly recap. That's just me, you know, doing a project about myself, actually. Um, my daughter's baby book was all done in the Project Life app. Um, and that was 64 pages, I think, of very detailed things about her and, and her first year. Um, and it wasn't just like, hey, two months, this is what you do. It was it was everything that she did for that first year. And it was very very detailed. Um, and it was super easy to do in the app. Um, my favorite thing to do right now is to do, um, an elaborate page, you know, focusing on one photo. And then I do the companion page with the same, you know, as I was mentioning how like most digital kits have these cards, I'll take the cards from that, that normal 12 by 12 kit and I'll put them in the app and I'll have a companion page for all those little extra photos of my daughter, like say skipping in a puddle that she has 75 pictures of the same thing that I really like. Um, those are really great ways to get these quick grid based pages done and use up a ton of photos when you don't necessarily need, you know, a lot of variety, you know, especially if you've already focused, have a companion page focusing on one key photo. I love the idea of thinking of a spread that has two different types. I do this all the time in paper, but to be mm-hmm. doing this digitally too with like you have a layout on one side, you have a grid page on the other side, and it's a beautiful way to bring in more photos while also still having uh, room for story and as well as having room to even, you know, play and, and do the fun Larry stuff that you want to do while still being able to get more photos on the page too. Yeah, kind I, of best I just of both think worlds. it's... Yeah, exactly. And I just think that it's sort of with the amount of photos that we take these days, it's just unsustainable to think that you can do if you really want to capture, if you really want to keep and scrapbook all these photos, which of course I don't think you can fully do. But I mean, like if you really want to get the bulk of of what you've taken, if you're like, I took these photos because I really like them. It's not sustainable to do a one photo page like it, it just isn't feasible I think to think that that's that you could have both of those things you can't do one photo pages and still scrap all those photos it's not like you wouldn't have anywhere to put them nobody does has that much room unless you have a mansion and (laughs) you don't I don't know anybody who has that kind of time and I spend a lot of my free time scrapbooking but I mean I take like 150 photos a week easy because I have I have a little kid you know what I mean like and she's always doing something fun and um but I really think that doing kind of like those combo pages gets me a compromise of where I want to be. Well, and I think we also all have a, oh, a, a, a goal or an idea of how many of those photos we like to scrapbook. And so you can mm-hmm. tweak the approach that you take to better accommodate that with all the options that we have today. Mm-hmm. Whereas okay. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm scrapbooking from all across time. I do create a lot of one photo layouts, but I have no mm-hmm. expectation that I'm, I'm trying to be exhaustive. I'm just trying to tell the stories that interest me. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit different approach, but it's just, we, you know, we have slightly different values and how much we want to, we want to get captured. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and I do a ton of one photo pages, so I don't want to think say that like, that's not a good approach because most of my story based layouts going back, I look, have like one page, like things that are really deep stories. I want to have that room for journaling. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be designing a page around one photo and having no room to put my journaling. And I know you've approached this in some of your more recent layouts where you have these long stretches of block journaling, and then you just put the photo and the, the stuff on after. Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's just different approaches for, for kind of, I think something we both want to do. It's just that I, I like to do that on a companion page. <laughs> like I like to be able to have all those extra things on a separate quick grid page done. 
Sure. And I think that's, that's what makes it fun is that you have, have the freedom to choose what works for you, not even like for you in general, but even for this particular story. Because I certainly mm-hmm. will do pages where I, ha- I create a big collage that's one page and then I do my story page in the left too when I have more photos. So it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that option to just do a little or a lot. Yeah. Let's talk more a little bit about maybe some of the tech aspects. So when we're talking about a digital layout, so even just picture a traditional scrapbook page, even a two-page spread, um, those can be created on a computer or on a device. But I would say mm-hmm. it's 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 more rare that someone's going to be creating a, an actual layout on a phone. So we're typically talking about tablet devices because they're big enough. Yeah. Yeah. And Otherwise comes, your eyes just get tired. Oh, gosh. Or your fingers, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The Project Life app is something that's used on devices only, and that's both tablets and phones. And I've created a, n- a huge number of pages on the Project Life app on my phone, and, you know, it's designed to work well in both places. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think are some of the pros and cons of working solely on a device because you've been doing so much iPad work. And, like, how can we tease this apart to 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 talk about how it feels different? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah, that's something that um, I think is actually really important because you can kind of figure out what's going to work for you depending on what, how you want it to feel. Um, I think that um, working on the computer for, you know, for those of us who are on our, you know, at our desks all the time, um, you obviously know what sitting at that desk feels like and extrapolate that out, you know, for the couple hours or however long it normally takes you to do a scrapbook page. Um that can have pros and cons. I definitely enjoy making layouts on my computer, but I also like to not be on my computer. So the fact that I can be on um, a tablet physically, that is just one one way it feels, is that I often, when my, I, I have back issues for, on a separate note, um, when I, I can't just sit at my desk anymore, I am am able to take my tablet upstairs to my bed and get propped up and I can still make things and amuse myself when I cannot be at my desk. Um, so that's one aspect of physically making things on devices that feels different. You can actually be in a different place. Um, um, but my laptop is very small, but still it's, it's harder to use on my lap. So even if the device itself is physical is, is portable, if you will, um, mm-hmm. I much prefer to use it on a table versus on my lap in a chair or whatever because it's just always can be a little awkward to balance it. Yeah, where where versus an iPad, like it folds over, right? So mm-hmm. it's like you can just easily kind of flop that on. You're not dealing with something that's has to be angled up and put on your lap. Well, um, you're more able to even use your hand to balance it. Hands. Whereas like, let's just yeah. say you're wait, like in a waiting room at the doctor's office. It's kind of always that precarious thing to have your like your laptop on your lap. Whereas with yeah, an like, iPad or your phone, it's much more natural to just have it anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, also the gestures. Um, I, I find that um, it took a little bit of adjustment when I moved to a device just because I'm so used to doing things with a mouse. Um, and, and you can use a mouse with your iPad, but it is not the norm, I'd say. Um, and I, you, you had to get used to using your fingers to drag over papers and things like that. Like that's a little, it's, it's just a little bit of a different vibe. Um, you do have to be a little bit more careful sometimes because if you're not paying attention and you're talking to somebody while you're making things, it can be very easy to be like, oops, I just moved my photo right off the page (laughs) because I just you know, swiped with my hand. Um, but 
I do really enjoy on a laptop or on a um, iPad versus on a desktop, the, the zooming, the pinch and zoom, typical, you know, iPhone, iPad um, gesture, it, it crosses over into Photoshop and Affinity. So you can do a lot of hand gestures where like, say, if you put two fingers on your um, screen, you can um, turn a photo and have it stick at, at um, 15 degree points. So it's not when you're rotating something, you don't just get like a you know random circle where you can just, you're trying to get it to be a 90 degree angle and you can't quite get it to go. If you do two fingers on both of those apps, you can get it to turn and, and have it stick. Um, oh, okay. there's, there's a lot of shortcuts that if you take the time to learn in your programs, um, a lot of physical finger gestures that make scrapbooking on a device like that a lot easier. So you don't have to learn like you know, necessarily finger typed shortcuts like you do on the Photoshop app in your desktop. I'm curious, since you have your your Apple Pencil, how much are you using the pencil versus your fingers when you're scrapbooking? Are you always using both? I think it's kind of a combination of both. I use, I I mostly use the pencil in my right hand and my fingers on my left hand. I've noticed that, yeah, like, so like I'm dragging things in and I'm resizing and stuff and, and I, 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 I kind of, you can do it with both, I guess. Um, it's just, that's sort of my workflow. Um, it's, it's, it's what feels natural to me because I'm used to using a mouse with my right hand. Um, and so, yeah, I, there's a lot of combinations of, of how you can use those two things together. Um, I, some of the gestures actually want you to use like your right hand while you're holding, like I'm saying, like, while you're holding down your fingers on the screen. Sure. Um, and so it's kind of a, a both-hand process, <laughs> for lack of a better term, a dual-hand process. Um, well, it sounds like but, if we can kind of, like, there's, there's two issues. There's, like, the portability of whatever device you're using, whether it's a desktop computer, a laptop, a tablet, or a phone. Like, the physical portability and whether or not you need it to be on a surface to use the way you want it to use. But then also, like, what you're doing with your hands. People who maybe have... Um, like joint issues, like I don't, you know, I don't have that myself, but I can imagine that using your fingers in certain ways on a tablet might be easier or more difficult versus a mouse, depending on, you know, your personal, you know, dexterity issues. Yeah, I actually, and that was kind of what the heart of what I was getting at. I actually find creating on an iPad after a small learning curve um, and learning how the device feels, um, I find it a lot easier on my body. Um, I can sort of adjust a how I'm sitting. B, um, you're not cramped holding your hand in that mouse position all the time. Yeah. Um, so you're not getting that carpal tunnel-y feel um, or just straight up carpal tunnel. Um, and um, also my eyes. Um, I wear bifocals before 40. Yay me. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so I have the ability to zoom in and zoom out and read type. And I don't have to strain my eyes the way – I know obviously you can zoom in on a computer, but it's a lot more – it's a lot – um, easier, quicker to just do a pinch and zoom, zoom out real quick. Um, you know, swirl. If you saw me actually making a a page, you'd see it's very like interactive while I'm, it's almost like, I kind of feel like a finger dance, right? Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like zoom, like I'm over here, you know, gesturing with my hands all over the place. Um, because I'm constantly pinching, zooming, looking and getting a feel for what my page looks like at different angles and different depths. Um, and I find that it's a lot easier to do that on my body on an iPad versus 
um, on a desktop. And also the fact that there are accessibility features with your iPad that, you know, you might not have on a desktop, depending on what kind of desktop you have. So, you know, type, you know, changing your type um, and your brightness is very easy on an iPad. Um, you know, even some things where you get things read out loud to you. Um, say, and also, here's another thing that's really fun is dictating your journaling. Yeah. Like, I don't have to type all my journaling if I don't want to. I can very easily just have it type it for me. Well, and that was one of this, the, the refresh prompts this past time where I dictated my journaling. And I have an Android phone. I dictated my journaling in, I did it in a text message to myself, but I could have done it in an email. And then I was able mm-hmm. to copy and paste that into my layout in Photoshop on my computer. So that was certainly, like, it's fun to use technology to make your life a little easier, even if it's just for the purpose of getting your words out in a more natural way. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and so like on the iPad, I don't have to do that whole text copy paste. I can just do it and it talks right, you know, it types right into my iPad app mm-hmm. or into my um, Photoshop app or my affinity. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really cool accessibility features, I think, for people who want to go, who want to be creating on the go. Well, and I think that I think Apple's always been known for that as part of their brand is making things that are more ergonomic. And you're, you definitely very well sell, sold the iPad for um, just having a, a smoother experience on your hands. Because I know that sometimes on a phone it can feel really cramped, but the iPad is just mm-hmm. that larger screen. And with all, you know, using the pencil as well, I think there it, it can create a really you know, I've seen you do it. It is like a finger dance, a, a more natural <laughs> experience that allows you to, to work for multiple hours without getting your hand cramped in that mouse position. Definitely. And and on another note, creating on my iPad lets me be with my family more. Like yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, kind of hide myself away in an office or spread all my stuff out on the living room floor or, and none of these things are bad. Sometimes, Hey, we like to be alone and that's totally fine. But, <laughs> um, you know, I've, I, <laughs> sometimes I always want to be alone nowadays anyway. Um, but I, I really like the fact that I can be with my family and I don't have to act like I'm ignoring them. They know what I'm doing. So like, it's not like, I, you know, but my face doesn't have to be buried in my desktop screen or whatever. I can very much have a conversation and, and, you know, Abby will come over and be like, mommy, what you working on? And I'll kind of show her. And like, and honestly, even just to put it in terms of people wondering if they can learn how to do it. My five-year-old knows how to use affinity. She makes her own scrapbook pages. That's terrific. I love it. So I'm curious if you find that using an iPad to create helps you get distracted less because you can't, you know, you just have that smaller real estate. Like I'm on the computer right now. I see five tabs open in my web browser. I see the podcast recording. I see Skype. Like it's so easy to be distracted by all the different views. Whereas the iPad Um, is inherently you have to toggle between screens in order to see something different. Well, that's not actually true. Okay. Um, Oh, because you use the like... Uh, like the panes? Yeah. I use split screens. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you have plenty um, of distractions. Yeah, I have plenty of distractions. Um, I, I do find for myself, I actually am less distracted on the iPad, but that's not the reason. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can very much, I, and it's something I actually really enjoy is the fact that I can do split screens because what I can do is I can actually pull up, say, day one where I do all my journaling, which is also digital. Um, and I can have my scrapbook stuff open and I can read and look at my journaling that I do for the day while I'm creating. Nice. So that has its own, you know, its own, uh, bonuses. Um, but I do like on my, um, 
I've had, I can very easily put it in do not disturb mode. So that, that part has been very helpful. And, um, versus like on my, I feel like on my desktop, I'm always seeing news come up or new emails or, um, you know, just, just stuff. Random messages from Jennifer asking you questions. (laughs) Yeah, no worries. No worries. Yeah. 3am Instagram chats, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I find that um, on my, on my iPad, it's very easily easy for me to go dark. And then like people don't talk to me as much if I'm not in the mood for that. So, so do you often have Lightroom open in one side of the screen and then whatever you're scrapbooking with on the other side or no? Sometimes, okay. sometimes um, I generally, um, for, for that, it's it, just because the pictures get tiny. I try not to share too much of the screen. Like I don't do a lot of split screening with that unless I'm really trying to go through. But what I tend to do is I'll, anything that I'm considering scrapbooking, I'll just flag as, as a pick mm. and then I'll flip back and forth. So I don't have that many photos um, facing me okay. um, to, to choose from. So um, like I, I worked on like my favorite restaurant list and I just went through. The good thing about Lightroom is I can keyword search. I just typed in restaurant. And then I picked, you know, 15 photos that looked kind of good. I flagged them, turned everything else off. And then from those 15 photos, I was very easily able to figure out my page and export into the Project Life app. Perfect. That sounds like a, yeah. it sounds like you really um, have, you know, not done that even additional step to understand uh, the shortcuts and the gestures and all the different things to make it easier on you and, and make everything go quickly. Because I think, you know, even as, I, you know, I do control C, control V for copy paste. I'm not a mm-hmm. shortcut type person, but I always wanted to learn more of those. And I think that I know how, how helpful they are to people. Well, and, and that's something I would really advise people to do is like, get to know your software. Um, I, I know that, you know, Affinity, it took me a second to learn it just because it's a little, it has a lot of, actually almost all of exactly the same features as regular Photoshop desktop. Um, it has a lot of, it's a really powerful software with no subscription. Um, and that's a huge bonus for a lot of people. There's no, there's no need for $9.99 a month or $19.99 a month. Um, it's just, I think it's like a $20 app or a $30 app now one time, which is amazing for this, for the power of it. Um, but you know, they offer amazing tutorials. Like they're, they're really amazing and super short and, you know, I, I went through some of the tutorials a couple times just to make sure I remember the gestures and it just made creating so much quicker. It becomes second nature. Um, I know that it can feel a little overwhelming because it's like, Oh, it's, this is different. And I don't know if I want to do this, but it's easier to start off with a good foundation than to try and come back later and be like, Oh, that's how I know how to do it. But I, I don't remember. I don't want to learn anything new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. get, get that good foundation, you know, take a couple days to play around before you just jump in to do the creative stuff. That's, sure. you know, it's, it's not as fun, quote unquote, but it'll help you for the long run. Oh, yeah, definitely worth it to start to start super simple and really explore mm-hmm. all the features so that you know how to do it and how to build on that going forward. Yeah. So can you I want to talk a little bit about like I, I've always scrapbooked in a grid style project life just kind of enhance that more now that we have mm-hmm. you know pocket cards to help me scrapbook in a grid. Do you ever create grid or pocket? style pages without using the project life app we talked about moving back and forth to add more embellishments but do you create grids in in photoshop whether you're on the computer or on your app on your tablet um i i used to do it a lot more but nowadays it's just so much easier for me to do it in the in the ipad or in the i'm sorry in the project life app um and plus there's just so many um 
there's just so many different templates now that are grid based that I don't really have to put in that work to, to make them myself. Oh, sure. Um, yes. But yeah, I definitely still make grid based, um, uh, grid based layouts. I love grid based layouts. I think that honestly, they're the most versatile and like they're the easiest on the eyes. You know, I mean, like I love doing, Hey, I love making a messy artsy page. I think that my style kind of goes back and forth. I do things that are super clean and then I do things that are super layered. And, um, you know, I love all types of scrapbooking. I'm equal opportunity. Um, <laughs> But, when you but, you definitely in the products that you choose, you have a wide range of styles that you'll choose from. Like I can't really just yeah. pinpoint pinpoint this is Bree's style when it comes to like colors and patterns and things. Yeah, I really like you know I tend to scrap like I feel like more bright things, mm-hmm. but I still really love a good neutral page. Like I mean, <laughs> yeah, I go back and forth. Um, but I really think that the grid based page has the most versatility and it's easiest on the eyes. It has the best home for journaling most of the time. And I, I always journal on my pages, like 98% of the time I have a lot of journaling on my pages. Um, so I think that the grid really lends itself to that, you know, you can, and plus I just like square photos. I mean, or, or, or like rectangle photos. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan. Like I, I find that I have to cut out too much when I'm doing like circle based photos or whatever, like teach their own though. Of course it can be pretty, but, um, I just, my head gets confused when I have to vary from a square photo or rectangle photo. <laughs> well, we talked earlier about how the evolution from, uh, project life and the pocket page type approach went from like, let's do three, six, five or weekly type stories to just being a different type of container for organizing mm-hmm. information on your page. And it's more like a puzzle that way. Um, versus, uh, I mean, it's still a piece of art, but when you're looking at a blank canvas or even with a template, you're trying to figure out how do I fit all these together in layers? Whereas a grid is more like, let's plop things in. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you need. Mm -hmm. You know, not every page can be, I got to figure this out. And where's, you know, where's my, where are my three buckets of embellishments? (laughs) You know, um, like it's, that can get a little hard when you're just trying to make some some pretty pages and tell a good story. Like, you know, it's especially after, you know, what, 20 something years of doing it. Like, it's just, sometimes you just want to make something easy. For sure. So, so on that note, <laughs> and I appreciate your, your gentle lead in here. Um, <laughs> by the time this episode comes out, we'll have a new pop-up workshop in the membership. And this is kind of an unscheduled one that just kind of came out of my own experimentation um, with a new set of templates that, that allow you to make more drag and drop type pages, but using your computer, whether you're using Photoshop or Photoshop elements on your computer, you can create pocket page style pages and use all your favorite digital products out there to do that. Um, as of this mm-hmm. point, it doesn't have a name yet, but I can tell you it'll be in the membership by the time this uh, episode goes up. Um, so we will include I'm the really, link in the show notes. I'm really excited for that because you taught me something new and like, not to say that never happens, but it has been a little bit and I sure. am really stoked about, cause I love the idea of these, like all these drag and drops and templates. Um, I knew that, um, Photoshop elements had that, ab- that ability and that was usually what I saw people making them for. Um, and I think that that's kind of because of like the audience. Um, you know, I mean, people who do Photoshop elements tend to be hobbyists, you know, I mean, tend to be your scrapbookers and, and things like that. So I think when people were making these items, um, you know, they, they wanted to make, make it more accessible for people to do that type of scrapbooking. Um, but I had never seen them for Photoshop regular. And let me tell you, 
I would still love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like it doesn't have to be hard to be fun, you know. So I'm I'm excited to see how that rolls out for Photoshop. It's it, it was important to me to figure this out in Photoshop because, you know, I've been talking about Lightroom for so many years now and I know there's so many of our uh, community members and audience members who've like in you know gone the Lightroom route and have a subscription now, but then they also maybe have Photoshop over there that they're maybe paying for and not using. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to create an easy way to jump into using Photoshop um, now that your photos are all organized in Lightroom uh, to be able to create some of these pages really really quickly. Exactly. I mean, it, you know, especially because that that Photoshop Lightroom bundle. I mean. I think it was the cheapest way to get both of those softwares for the longest time, but a lot of people might still have Photoshop elements for like sure. because that's what they came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, if you have Photoshop and you're paying for it in order to make Lightroom cheaper, I mean, Photoshop elements is an amazing program, but there's some things that obviously Photoshop can do that the elements can't, although that line is getting very vague as, as Photoshop elements um, uh, grows with each passing year. Um, but there, you know, there's some types of filters and fun things, you know, it's great to see what we can do with it. So for sure. So I will include the link to that in the show notes for sure. We'll have a a whole little information page about it or a blog post or something um, when that time comes. So to start wrapping things up here, Brie, if, if we have a guest, uh, sorry, if we have a listener out there who's thinking about going the route of getting a new laptop to do more digital scrapbooking or getting an iPad to do digital or app scrapbooking, what do you think are some of those top considerations? Um, well, as with most things with technology price, I think that is the first thing that most of us are always going to bottom line, think about, um, first blush. Um, you know, I love my iPad pro, but I had to get a work bonus in order to get one. You know what I mean? It's not like something that most people can just go out and purchase, you know, because they feel like it every day. Um, Well, and it's so funny to think about, you think about a laptop as a a bigger, more functional device, but for the most part, many of them are cheaper these days than an iPad Pro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, a Mac Mac laptop's not necessarily the case. Um, And we can go back and forth on whether or not what's worth, you know, what's worth it, what's not. You're going to get your (laughs) Apple devotees and not. Um, I, uh, I am a big fan of Apple just because my ecosystem all works together. I mean, everything in my house has, you know, some tie in with my iPad or, you know, et cetera. Um, but I will say that, you know, obviously my iPad was very expensive. It definitely cost close to what my iMac did. Um, by the time I got the terabyte iPad. Um, now the reason I got the terabyte iPad is because iPad uh, Photoshop on the iPad uses a lot of space. Um, when you're buying iPads, it can be very tempting to be like, oh, I'm never going to use more than 128 gigabytes. My computer doesn't even have that much. Um, but these apps are huge. Like, um, I, because I have to put it in perspective, my Lightroom CC, um, because I have all of my photos in it, even sharing only smart previews, I have, you know, over a quarter million photos in there. Wow. Um, yeah. And how um, much space does that take up? Do you have that's like eight that's like eighty gigs on my iPad. Sure. Which isn't that much when you think of a quarter of a million photos, because it's doing smart previews, but if you think you're gonna get a hundred and twenty-eight gig iPad and you really like taking photos, think about the fact that even in the cloud, you know, that the data that's on that app is going to take a huge portion of your space. Um 
So that is, you know, price versus space is something that you really have to consider. Um, and not just price versus space for today, price versus space in two or three updates. Um, and that's something that in cloud-based systems, it, it can be a little hard to kind of think that far ahead um, because we never know what it's going to get made, right? Mm -hmm, um, but sure. that is where I generally will argue just buy as much space as you can possibly afford, even if you think yeah. that it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, now laptops are a wonderful option. You can still you know, do a lot of great things on laptops and you can get like an HP or a Dell laptop, you know, a pretty good one for what, four or $500 now, Correct. like something. Right. Um, however, you're probably not going to get that much Ram and Ram memory and Ram, like, or I'm sorry, storage and, um, Ram are kind of the two most important things. And I know that there's people that are more technologically savvy than I that can talk a little bit more about details on that. But for instance, my iMac, I, with Photoshop on my computer and Lightroom on my computer, I have 32 gigabytes of RAM that, which is like the speed, how fast your computer can work. Um, I would not these days suggest going lower than that. If you want to run both of those programs together, they're very high graphics. Um, and you know, that is going to make your, your laptop go up in price quite significantly. For sure. Um, it does, yeah. You know, so, um, I think that the iPad for creating on the go is still a really good value, even when you do have to spend quite a bit of money on it. I think that because of the free updates that you get, you know, they're always updating iOS. I think that's something you have to think of when you're considering the costs. Like most computers don't do that. You know, you buy Windows and, and um, you know, that's kind of what you have until you pay to upgrade something. Um, you know, whereas I get a new iPad, quote unquote, every September. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, that's a huge it, through software updates. I mean, um, correct, correct. That, yeah, that is the key. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure. No, I mean, although I mean, honestly, probably I do. Go. Anyway, um, but but yeah, that's something to consider too. Is how much do you want to be putting into to spending on updates? Um, how much do you want to you know this to be a one and done purchase? Um, how much space do you really need? Um, and what kind of accessories are available for it? Um, I enjoy on the iPad the fact that I can airdrop anything onto my computer or onto my iPad or vice versa onto my computer from my iPad. Um, I like the fact that Photoshop, the app on the iPad, works with Photoshop on my computer seamlessly. They integrate back and forth and I can pull documents that I started on my computer onto my iPad with no, no problem. Um, there's a lot. So for me, I generally think that creating on the iPad is a, it's a huge win versus trying to do a laptop, but I know that price will be the biggest consideration for a lot of people. And you can make a really great page on a laptop too. Well, and I think just kind of thinking about the overall experience, it's easy to get attracted to shiny and new in any direction for any type of device. Of but just to think about how you've used things in the past, what you enjoy, where you enjoy creating, um, mm -hmm. the relationship to your hands, and then maybe also even the relationship to the types of things that you like and don't like doing on your phone. Because let's say yeah. you do most of your photo editing already on your phone. Maybe you don't need an iPad to be able to do photo editing portably there because you're satisfied with your phone experience because yeah. you probably already have this other device too. So the new one that's coming into your family is going to be, you know, a sister to your phone and thinking about that, that relationship and, and what you would do in either place as well. Oh yeah. And I have to say before I got an iPad, like 
I made wonderful pages. If you're trying to do the, like you were saying, if you're trying to do the Project Life app, I made tons and tons of pages on my phone for years, especially with the fact that these phones are getting larger screens nowadays. Um, You know, it's not like we're going back to the days where you're looking at an iPhone 4 and it's like the size of your palm, literally like the (laughs) whole screen is like the size of your palm. You know, I mean, you know, like some of these phones are like kind of three quarters of the size of an iPad mini, you know, so um, you can do a lot of if you're just looking to make some beautiful, simple pages, there's no reason you can't use your phone nowadays. Um, And we haven't gotten into that portion of things. But even before I used, you know, the iPad um, I used Project Life app and I used Over and I used the Ron Farah apps. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correctly? Um, and I, I made beautiful pages with drop shadows and, and all this other stuff without ever even using a computer or an iPad. So there are such a multitude of ways that you can make things on your devices or on your laptops or on your computers. I mean, really the takeaway is just you can make things no matter where you are. Very you true. just have to think about what feels good for you. Well, and and as an Android user, I use a Samsung Note and I have it pretty much solely because I like the stylus because I like that pencil experience. It's my remote shutter for my camera. But then if I want to do something with a little bit more precision, like creatively, I like being able to have that control with it as well. So it's, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a mini experience compared to your iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil. But still, if you, if you like that and you're, you're thinking about a new phone, that's one of the reasons I stick with Android personally. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even think I'd want the stylus, but I, it turns out I really like it. So, I mean, if you can get that on a phone, I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Bree, so much. Can you share where we can find you online? Anything else exciting you want to share with our audience about what you have coming up? Um, well, um, I am obviously in the Simple Scrapper community. So that's where I spend most of my online time these days. I just, you know, it's a safe, wonderful, happy community with no outside drama, which is highly awesome. awesome. Yeah, we had <laughs> um, a very lively book club discussion last night. It was terrific. It was wonderful, wasn't it? Um, and um, so that's pre- primarily where you can find me. I know that we're going to be doing some, I'll be kind of doing some of the finishing project stuff with you this upcoming month. Yeah, um, we are so excited so. to highlight that. By by this time, um, our listeners should have seen a number of case studies come out and we'll be full into teaching this class. And I, I really appreciate you taking some time to work through that material so you could be a oh, good no, role model no for problem. our students. No problem. And then um, on Instagram, I am Brioxed. It's B-R-E-E-O-X-D. And that is where I share some of my scrapbook pages and obviously just day-to-day family life. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners for uh, giving us your time and energy. And I want you to remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. 